Recording live from Providence, Rhode Island is the RubyConf Mini Podcast Panel. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm going to start by introducing each of our panelists. I'm going to ask each of them to share a phrase that they commonly use on their podcast so that way the listeners know their voices. From the bike shed, we have Joelle Quenville. Hello, everyone. From Ruby for All, we have Julie J. Hey. From Chats in the Cupboard, we have Andy Kroll. Hello. From Code and the Coding Coders Who Coded, it's Drew Bragg. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Code and the Coding Coders Who Coded. And I'm your moderator, Brittany Martin, from the Ruby on Rails podcast. And for me, what is your developer origin story? And because I am delightfully type A, before we dive in today, let's cover a few things. First, we are super grateful that we'll be able to take the audio feed from this recording and post it as a podcast. This is a love letter to our listeners who could not be with us today. Second, I plan on aiming most questions initially to a panelist, but panelists, if you want to chime in, please raise your hand so we get a clean cut of the audio. Speaking of, we are taking questions today from you in the RubyConf mini Slack channel under the channel podcast-panel-questions. I know, just an elegant name there. Please post your questions there so the panelists can volunteer to answer. And lastly, this is the first time a podcast panel has been a part of the main agenda for the conference. I am seriously so grateful to Gemma, Emily, and Andy for making this happen. Also to our editor, Paul, who works really hard and uses a lot of magic in order to make these panels sound great. Thank you so much, Paul. And with that, let's do this. Question one, Julie. As our newest podcast on the panel, can you tell us why you started Ruby for All and how the community reception has been so far? Thank you for the question, Brittany. I wanted to start Ruby for All because as a junior, I was listening to a lot of the Ruby podcasts, which are fantastic. However, a lot of them were going over my head as the concepts were more challenging than what I was ready for. And I wanted to do something to help the juniors into the community. I was at RailsConf when I met up with Andrew and he offered to co-host with me and Ruby for All got created. I think it's been great. We've had a lot of feedback saying that they really enjoyed it and it's been helpful to some of our listeners. And again, we accept feedback. So if anybody has been listening, thank you. And also please let me know how we can improve. Joelle, as someone who has taken over hosting duties of a podcast myself, can you give us an inside view as to how that happened? So Steph Vickery, who was the former host along with Chris Sumi, was looking to transition off of the podcast. She and I were working together on a client project pretty closely, and I was feeding her a lot of ideas for potential topics to talk about on the bike shed. It got to the point where I got invited to the bike shed Trello board, and I could just directly add ideas onto the board. And so when it came time to bring on a new host, I had a little bit of an inside track there. And so I was really excited to come on. So I've got a follow-up question for you that's a little unfair and pretty hard, but how will this era of the bike shed be different and maybe a little bit the same? I think one thing that's unique about the bike shed is that it's a conversation show. It's not quite so much an interview approach. So it's just two people talking about interesting topics and the audience gets to be a fly on the wall. And that is something that's part of, I think, the identity of the show that I definitely want to keep moving forward. 
something that will be maybe a little bit different. I am really passionate about visuals and diagramming. And so I will definitely be referencing things like that. Recent listeners of the show will know that I have been hyping up dependency graphs a lot. And so if you have been interested to like come up and talk to me and you don't know like, oh, what do I say to him? Ask me a question about dependency graphs and we will be talking until late in the night. Okay, noted. So dependency graphs. <laughs> the rest of your questions will be about dependent. No, I'm just kidding. Andy, what is your goal for Chats in the Cupboard? Chats in the Cupboard was an excuse for me to have a chat with Vida He. So she lives in Portland and I live in Brighton and the time difference is horrendous. You know, it's like a conference friend, like those people here who are like people who I see like once a year or once every six months. I want to have that feeling more often. And so that was a reason for Chats in the Cupboard. I'm like, she's really, really smart. So I wanted to know what she thought about stuff. <laughs> and it was literally as simple as that. Well, we love a good crossover here. So Andy, why are you personally sponsoring Ruby for All? Because the community response to it has been excellent, Julie, is the answer. I think it's an example of something that I feel like I do quite a bit, which is just like, okay, I'll just take responsibility for that. There's no reason why I, on a developer salary, can't pay the editing bill for Ruby for All for a month. We could all do it. And it's the same with conferences and events and stuff. This event exists because Gemma said, I want this event to exist. And then she made it happen. So like that is something that I would challenge everybody who's listening to this or who's in the room. Of course you can do this. Like, it's not hard. I'm just an idiot with a microphone. <laughs> Here and when I'm giving talks and when I'm running conferences, like, it's the microphone. Drew, we need to settle on a nickname for your podcast so I sound really cool. Can you please help me? I swear a real question is coming your way soon. I think you have already given the podcast a nickname, Code Encoders. All That's right. It's actually the Twitter handle now, so... Fantastic. <laughs> so your first episode was in February of this year. What lessons have you learned over the past year? Oh, how long do you have? So much. I need a co-host. Bad. I can't keep being the only idiot on the call going, huh? What? I need a better process for getting guests. I've gotten extremely lucky that most of my guests have either approached me and said, I'd like to be on the podcast or have said like on Twitter, I want to start going on podcasts. Who has a podcast and wants me on? And I can go, ooh, me, I do. But I need a better process. That I have learned and have not done anything with. It's fine. It's only been a year. And it's simultaneously harder than I thought it would be and easier than I thought it would be. I still get very nervous before each episode. But once we're rolling, I have enough structure that I know I will just get through it just fine. I'm having a great conversation with a great person. But there's always those nerves. I've recorded over 200 episodes and I am nervous constantly. I'm nervous right now, so do not be concerned. And that's one thing that I want to make sure that all of our listeners know. Now, you were talking about finding a co-host and I saw Joelle nodding your head. Why, Joelle? So I just recently got a new co-host on the bike shed. It's Stephanie Min. I'm super excited to have her join. And so I definitely recommend getting a co-host. <laughs> Okay, so this is a question for all the panelists, so please raise your hand for those who want to answer. If someone were to ask you to describe the brand of your podcast, what would you say? Ugh, brand, ugh, horrible, ugh. It's two people just having a chat. There's lots of podcasts like that. And in this case, it's not a traditional podcast, which is, you know, three men talking about Apple technology. So that's a win. I would say that all of our podcasts are just, they're quite conversational. And I know, Brittany, yours is 
more interviewee, but you have the episodes with that conversation on. And those are the ones that I like to listen to. I particularly like listening to podcasts where it's, I like to sort of invest over a period of time to like people's journeys. And then you sort of have that weird thing where you think you're friends with them. I'm guilty of that. Just the conversational thing is the most important for me. Julie, you probably agree with me. One approach that I take with my podcast is I like to go in themes and it's something that I might be confused by. And so I just bring somebody on who can teach me things. And so really it's selfish, but then everyone can learn from it. So like a recent episode I had with one of my co-hosts, Brian, I had him really explain to me like the mechanics of a layoff because I didn't truly know. And so it was a really good selfish reason to record an episode, but now I can point to it as a piece of education that I have. I told Andrew, if we had zero listeners, then he would at least be helping one person. Love that. That's amazing. So Julie, would you agree that our community still has room for more podcasts and why? There's always room for more podcasts. And I believe that we need more content out there. And I'm extremely nervous right now. And I'm able to sit here in front of you. Every time I'm doing a podcast with Andrew, I tell him I'm nervous every week. I'm nervous. But if I can do it, then anybody who wants to can do it. So if you have something to say, we want to hear it. And you do have something to say. Absolutely. Joelle, I know you'd like to tackle technical topics on the bike shed. Do you have any advice on how to do that over an audio format? That is definitely challenging because code is a visual medium. And so I think going back to the session right before about communication, know your audience know the point you're trying to make and try to understand why they would care and work backwards from there. Have you ever considered doing anything creative around show notes in that regard? Like almost like a prerequisite homework, pull over to the side of the highway and please read my show notes before you listen to this episode. I've considered it before. I've thought about it a little bit because I would love to do an episode on dependency graphs and they're inherently very visual (laughs) and I, I haven't found a way to make that episode yet that I'm considering it. Okay, so now dependency graphs are the brand of the bike shed. Have we agreed to this? Yes? Okay, cool. I'm glad we're on the same page on that front. Andy, talk to me about hiring a junior developer at CoverageBook. So I'm currently in the process of hiring a junior developer. So this is part of the thing that I sort of kicked off in my head with the first Ruby friend mentorship thing. We've decided that the thing that we've been telling ourselves that our team wasn't big enough or we would do a bad job or maybe we're not the best place to be hiring a junior, we decided that was bullshit. As a result, are hiring people from boot camps in London with the idea that it's a year-long, fully paid job. It's not an internship. It's a fully paid job for a year. And at the end of that, as we know, there are many, many hundreds of three to five-year experience jobs that you could totally get if you've got 12 months experience. So my plan is to keep generating those people. And by doing that, as an example, then wrap up how I'm doing that. We're a team of three Ruby engineers, one front-end person and a designer in the product team. So if we can do it, then pretty much anyone can do it. And I don't think, I don't think it'll be that hard. Not in that kind of impossible hard way. It will be hard, obviously, because hiring people is hard and teaching people is hard. But in a good and positive way, and and hopefully in a way that will let others do the same thing, even with small teams. The world of hiring junior developers is such a hot topic right now. And by the way, it should always be a hot topic. True. But not like the store. But... (laughs) I imagine you just had an onslaught of applications. We had quite a few. Primarily, the role is not fully remote. Part of me exploring this as a hiring manager of a junior person is that I want some in-person time for them to come down to Brighton for a couple of days a week. It's not fully in-person because I'm not in the office fully. But I think 
increasing that bandwidth, particularly given that it's a time-limited thing, is something that we're trying to do. So we've had like 30 or 40 candidates, but mostly from where I went to find the London boot camps. And I went in there and I talked to them about Ruby because they're learning Ruby because Ruby is a great teaching language. And that's one of our community benefits. And then I go in there and I'm friendly and I'm personable and I'm being the best version of myself to represent all of us in those rooms. And that's something that anyone could do. You can find your local bootcamp. You can go and talk to them and represent for us and convince yourself that you can hire that person. So yeah, like 30 or 40, but primarily from in-person going and doing the work of finding them rather than randoms from the internet. Because obviously people who aren't programming Ruby have got no idea who I am. So therefore me yelling about it on Twitter actually doesn't help that much. (laughs) All right, we're going to move to some listener questions. I'm going to start with Mina Slater. And I'm going to aim this one to Drew, but I want to hear from everybody in case you have a good story. If a recording of a planned episode doesn't go well, how did you manage that? Oh, that's like every episode for me. Um, (laughs) I had an experience like this. My recording with Kevin Murphy, the first time we recorded, something happened with Zoom. It kept crashing. There was audio in and out, and it was terrible. I spent hours trying to get it right, and I eventually just reached out to him and said, hey, can we do that again? Because it was bad. But yeah, you can always just reach out and say, hey, can we try that again? Most people are happy to talk more. I'm curious, was that version of the episode actually better? It's hard to say better. We sort of knew what topics we wanted to talk about. I remembered I wanted to ask him about hockey, but there is something nice about having that natural conversation with someone. Mm -hmm. So when it's, hey, let's redo the thing we just talked about, you lose a little bit of that. But I don't think that happened too bad with the second round episode. I think it's a really good episode. Does anyone else have any other episode stories? Go for it, Jolie. So all of our episodes are not planned, but we were receiving feedback that I needed to speak more. And so there was one episode, it was the imposter syndrome episode where as I was editing, it was like Andrea talking 95% of the time and me 5%. So I said, Andrew, can we re-record this? And we actually had a plan (laughs) in place for me to talk more in that one. And I think it turned out really well. Julie, I'm curious. You said that you got a lot of feedback about speaking more. Where are you getting that feedback from? So I posted a tweet from Ruby for All requesting feedback. And a lot of the public ones were really great. And I got one DM, which was kind of like a hamburger feedback. So it was like really nice. And then one little feedback. And I think Andrew had retweeted. I asked for people to be nice in the feedback. And (laughs) I don't remember what Andrew said, but he said like he wants real feedback. Yeah. So he received a couple of DMs. I love that because before I had Paul as an editor, my editing was absolutely atrocious and I'll own it right now because I took over the podcast a couple of years ago I was doing the editing on my own. I was not even using a microphone, folks. I was recording with just my laptop. Like, it's not good. (laughs) But I learned a lot of lessons along the way. And I did have a guest on the show at one point that was so incredibly nervous that we would get a couple minutes into the episode and then their nerves would just take over and they would stop. And so we maybe recorded the episode three times in a row. And at one point I said, you know what? tell you what, why don't we just practice the episode? But little did they know I was recording the whole time. I think we all saw that coming, right? (laughs) 
We know I'm, me. I'm, of I'm course surprised I did they that. didn't see that coming. <laughs> they did not actually. And so we ended up getting a pretty good episode out of it. But I think this is a good question because there are a lot of times that things don't go the right way. I've had Wi-Fi go out. I've had, you know, emergency sirens go in the back. I actually, she might be here today. I had a guest where a cat broke into her recording space. And so at one point she's like, there's a cat outside my closet. And I was like, cool. And then I heard purring and she's like, the cat broke in. (laughs) That's cool. I mean, like, as long as the cat noise is consistent, we can edit it out. You're just looking for consistency. Okay. Anyone else have any episode stories? Okay. It's all very controlled when you're in a car. No, cover, I know right? we've got one coming up that's got really, really terrible audio quality, but there's nothing we can do about it. So yeah. I'm just going to have to apologize about that one. Okay. I like a pre apology. <laughs> so, I like the honesty. This there. sounds rubbish. Enjoy. <laughs> so, Daniel Colson, we talked about this a little bit, but I want to dig into it more. Do you all get nervous before or during a recording or before an episode airs? So, the first question is Do you listen to your own episodes? Anyone? Yes. I edit my own episodes right now, so unfortunately I have to. Andrew Mason listens to every episode of every podcast he records. I don't know how he does that. I cannot listen to my own voice, but I have to because I'm currently editing and it's horrible. Anybody else? Do you all listen? I do listen to every episode, particularly before I had a co-host and I had guests. I made a point of listening to every episode and then reaching out to the guest and highlighting some aspects of the final episode that I appreciated about their call because, you know, this is oftentimes their first time on a podcast. They're often feeling very nervous. And so I want to tell them what I appreciated about the final product. Oftentimes they don't dare listen to themselves. And so they'll never know, like they went on this recording and then they just, they don't know. So I want to be that person that follows up with them and said, Hey, I listened to our episode. It was great. Here are three things that stood out to me. And yeah, sometimes I cringe at myself. I love that. You mentioned that for a lot of the times, it's the first time someone has been on a podcast. Why is that the case, Joelle? I reach out to people who I think have interesting things to share. And in particular, I was reaching out to a lot of colleagues or former colleagues, people I had a close connection with so that if they hadn't been on a podcast, they would feel comfortable with me doing that for the first time. Yeah, sometimes they've never done it. And some people, it took a little bit of coaxing, like conversation back and forth and say, hey, here's the thing that I see that you are an expert in that I would love to have you talk about. And the person says, well, I'm not sure. I'm not comfortable. Says, that's fine. I'm not giving you a date, but maybe we can have a conversation about this over the next few weeks and see if you're maybe interested in coming on. And so I had to prep some people. And then also afterwards, I want to make sure to really thank them, encourage them for what they've done. And the episodes turn out great. That's really great. I feel like I'm a selfish egomaniac. (laughs) (laughs) So I do say to Vinehe, that was a really good one. I listen back to make sure I haven't said anything stupid because we don't plan either. So I just want to make sure that most of the stuff that I've said is fine. And I haven't like gone off the deep end and saying something that literally I disagree with half an hour later. But yeah, like egomania, basically. That's why I listen. I'm kind of split there because I'm not even subscribed to my own podcast, which is terrible. Please subscribe to the Ruby on Rails podcast to drive up numbers. No, you've, you've got to do it because you've got to juice the numbers. I know. I got to juice the numbers, folks. But I will listen back when I'm putting the episode together. And I do love that, Joel, that you are following up with like great points that they made because, you know, I have to listen to the episode anyway to grab those show notes, which are so important. So I think that's a really great way to make people feel included. One thing for me is that when I reach out to someone and ask them to be on the podcast, a lot of times I'll get no if they've never been on a podcast before. But my getcha 
is I tell them that I will send the questions ahead of time. And a lot of times, and this is my little spoiler, and I'm just going to confess this now, we often go off the deep end and we don't ask those questions because they say something really interesting and we just go down that path. And you know what? The thing that was interesting is something that they care about and they're knowledgeable and they can talk about it. And so that ends up being a really great episode. And usually my goal halfway through is they forget we're recording. That's always the goal. You want to feel like you're just listening in on some friends just chatting in the hallway at RubyConf Mini, right? That is the ideal situation for the podcast. So a question for all panelists, how does your podcast help and promote the Ruby community? I don't think mine does. Maybe it does. Is it Ruby specific? What's the so, end goal? It's kind, of like, like, it's kind of like seniorish people talking about a single topic that they find interesting and exploring what the other person thinks about it. It's a chat and Vide he's in a cupboard, hence the clever naming. But yeah, like it's not Ruby specific. It's more sort of human being specific, I suppose. It's like human beings doing the sorts of jobs that we all do. That's an interesting question, right? We have five podcasts represented on this panel and two of them have the word Ruby in them and three of them do not. So is that a good or a bad thing? Mine does not have Ruby in the name, mostly because I didn't want to necessarily be exclusively Ruby. I wanted it to be about anything related to code or coding or being a programmer, whether it's the actual technical details or it's a day in the life or a junior trying to break into it and bringing their experiences from their previous job. A lot of us, especially bootcamp grads, had a career for a while prior to becoming a software engineer. And that's a, a really important part of what we bring to the table. When I was trying to come up with the name, apart from just not being clever enough to come up with anything with Ruby in the name, I didn't want it to be like, yeah, this is all we talk about is Ruby and you have to be in the Ruby community to listen. You can be part of any community and listen. Hopefully hearing how cool some Rubyists are, you come over to the dark side and start programming in Ruby. Does anyone else have any thoughts on that? I think for the bike shed, it's about more than just the code element as software developers, a lot of our day-to-day life is, is definitely more than code. So we'll talk about things like working iteratively that applies to many different languages. We might talk about process. We might talk about Git. We might talk about learning and career. In addition to things like object-oriented design or particularly Ruby topics, I had an episode recently about class methods and when they are useful And so these are all things that as Ruby developers, we hit multiple times in our day. And some of the aspects are technical tied to the Ruby language. And then some of them are more broadly true for people across many different languages. Joel, it's like he knew that Mina was going to give you a follow-up question to that one. So have you ever considered streaming the bike shed on Twitch or YouTube? I have not considered it. I have considered doing occasionally maybe like a live, live show version but not as a consistent thing. Has anyone considered ever doing a live episode of the podcast as opposed to, you know, the live episode that we're recording I was going to say, live right episodes now? are rubbish. You don't want to do those. <laughs> no, because this is my face. <laughs> and I'm so sorry that you have to see it right now. So, it's actually what I liked about being on yours was there is no video. When I'm recording via Zoom, you can see the other person and there's a small distraction element that comes along with that. So no, we're not going to stream. Well, that's a good question. We can each ask each of the panelists, like, how do you record? I record over a piece of software called Cast Studios. 
I do record Zoom for only one special person in my life, and that is Gemma Isroff. But everyone else, I record without any sort of visual piece because to me, it's less stressful not being able to see, but I can see there being some help, you know, in being able to see facial expressions. So how about you, Jolie? We use Zoom and actually I noticed the difference because I was on the Ruby on Rails podcast one week after I did it with Andrew and I could see Andrew's face. I could see his expression. I could see if he's paying attention, but I probably wasn't. (laughs) And you know, I was. (laughs) How about you, Joe? So yeah, it's via Zoom, cameras on. I let the guests decide if they want to keep theirs on. I just, I keep mine on because I've been told by multiple people that it is helpful to see a face. When I'm listening to, say, a screencast, like a Go Rails episode, I really appreciate seeing Chris. I have no idea why, but I know I do. So it's there. If they want it, me personally, I feel like I can focus on the content a little better if I'm not looking at a person. But if someone wants to have their camera on, I can still record fine. I sort of want to be off camera, but the other person on camera so I can get there. That's about worlds. <laughs> I love that. How about you, Joelle? We record using a software called Zencaster, which has a mode where it will do video, but not record it, only record the audio. I like the video because you get all of the sort of nonverbal cues, which I think allows for more natural conversation. The goal of this would be like, what would it be if Stephanie and I were just hanging out getting coffee and chatting about a cool tech topic where we do see each other's face. We get to, you know, use our hands or emote. And so can we recreate that a little bit while recording online? I'm the same, like video all the way, but we don't save it. We have video. It's mostly because I'm seeing my friend and I want to see my friend. So that's part of the thing. Question from Brandon Reaver for the entire panel. Who would you love to have on your podcast one day and what would you ask them? Do you have that one special guest that you would love to have on the show? Hey, they might listen to this episode and say, absolutely. I want to have Aaron Patterson on. Okay. Yeah. I want him on the podcast and just, I don't have necessarily a specific question for him other than what are you working on? But I just feel like that would be an amazing episode and a very special one to me. Well, I think there are people here that can help you make that happen. So let's make dreams come true, people. Okay. (laughs) And then I can also extend that question out. Are there any of the shows on this panel or other shows in the community that you would love to guest on that maybe you grew up through the Ruby community listening to that you haven't been on? I mean, I, for one, would love to be on Ruby for all, but I would have to have the perfect topic ready to go. So definitely not an immediate thing. I want to earn my way into a guest spot on Ruby for all. We can't wait to have you. (laughs) I love this podcast matchmaking. Okay, so we talked about visual podcasts. We talked about Twitch or YouTube. Question from Kayla, what are the unexpected legal and business things you have to deal with as someone running a podcast? I love this question so much. Does anyone consider legal and business things? No. (laughs) Anyone. I'm just an idiot in a cupboard. Of course I don't think about that stuff. (laughs) What goes into actually producing a podcast? What goes into starting a podcast? And is anyone actually thinking about sponsors, merchandise, trademarks, logos, like all of that stuff? I was concerned that our logo, because it's AI generated, we had to get a patent or something on it, but. I had no idea it was AI generated. That is so cool. I love that about that. 
One thing that's interesting is that on the bike shed, we often talk about things that happen at work. And both Stephanie and I are consultants with ThoughtBot. We work with clients. And so if we want to talk about things that we've done, we have to figure out sort of how much anonymization we want to do. Sometimes even you want to talk about something that was challenging and you, you don't want to throw a client under the bus. That's not cool. Not really so much a legal thing, but just, I think, professionalism and being a nice person. Who has sponsors on their show? Does anyone have sponsors? Oh, me. Okay. I mean, the Ruby on Rails podcast is sponsored. That's how we pay for our editor. I got lucky in the fact that when we took the podcast independent, I ended up partnering with Mirror Placement and they handle all the business things for me. So they handle like talking to sponsors. They handle paying Paul, which is important. And one thing that we do is when we have guests on the show, we send them a thank you package in the mail. And that includes like merchandise that we have put together. We recently came out with a store of merchandise to like promote a nonprofit that we cared about. I enjoy the legal and business stuff, but that's because I'm a secret MBA that just turned into a developer. So I like that kind of stuff because in some ways you need to think of your podcast as a business because that's how you keep it sustainable. And Ruby for All recently got sponsorship. We had discussed Andy Kroll. And one of the questions was, do you listen to your podcast? And I had to because I was editing them. But once we started having an editor, I don't listen to them at all. (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm so jealous. So, so jealous. Welcome to the good life. (laughs) Question for Ufu. What keeps you motivated to keep on producing new episodes week in, week out? And what stops you from saying to yourself, oh, maybe we'll just skip it this week? Well, that's why I'm monthly. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I'm less than monthly. Andy, how do you do it? Do you do seasons of podcasts? I'm, yeah, not, I'm not quite sure no, what's going on over there. No, we're not quite sure. It's more than like neither of us can totally commit to the weekly thing. Okay. And so like we've been recording season three. The first one we did in September and then we did another one like two weeks later. And then Vardy, he had some home improvement work done that went from being like 10 days to six weeks. So we've just done a third one. And if I can get like a fourth one done by Christmas, that would be great. But yeah, like we're massively disorganized. But the benefit is, is that the whole point of the book is it's the excuse to chat. So like finding a reason to do it is not hard. It's finding the time to do it. How about you, Jolie? Do you have a standing appointment with Andrew to get your podcasts recorded? I do, but also Andrew did a talk with Chris and Jason at RailsConf. And one of the main points was you have to be consistent. So I think Andrew is keeping us consistent. I love that. How about you, Joelle? We release weekly. We do have a sort of standing appointment to record I've found that with content, the more you create, the more you also generate ideas and that the hardest part is often starting. And so this is true, I think, for blogging. It's true for giving a talk up here and it's true for podcasting as well. It's really hard. I have a goal this year, which I haven't ever done, and that is to produce 52 episodes of the Ruby on Rails podcast. And I'm currently on pace, which is great. I'm ahead of schedule on recording. Thank you. It's hard. You know, I have the three co-hosts that I rotate through. I book those interviews, but there are times where I'm really cutting it down to the wire. And then I will have a guest that I have perfectly prepped. We'll have an emergency come up and they won't come. And so then I'm scrambling for another guest just in order to hit that deadline. And that deadline is fake in my mind. But like to me, Wednesday at eight o'clock Eastern, there is a new episode coming out no matter what. And sometimes I've recorded that episode, sorry, Paul, Tuesday morning. And so... Thank goodness for Paul that he can turn those episodes out, but consistency is everything. 
Sorry for being inconsistent. (laughs) (laughs) Question from Jake. What's your favorite non-tech related podcast if you have one? Oh, I've been listening to Dead Eyes. What's that about? It's the story of an actor who was cast in a very minor role in the Band of Brothers TV show and got fired by Tom Hanks, allegedly for having dead eyes. But it's more of an exploration of his career and it basically sent him into a tailspin, obviously, like he was a young actor and he was trying to do this. But it sent him into an interesting like tailspin of his self-examination and now he's like an improvisational comic. And it's kind of a produced podcast. You know, I've already looked ahead in the feed because I picked it up. It's been going for like three years. I can already see that at some point he does get to speak to Tom Hanks. It's just like this really fascinating journey. And it's not about that thing. It's no longer about the hurt that he felt at the time. But it's just, it's a really interesting story. I love the dropout as well. The Elizabeth Holmes thing where they reveal hyperbole in the, well, I mean, the lady's going to prison now. So spoilers, sorry. I'm concerned that we're going through this whole podcast panel and I haven't mentioned that I do CrossFit. So let's just make sure I get that in there. I do CrossFit. No, I'm kidding. I do listen to a podcast called Scale and Bail. And the idea behind it is that anybody can do CrossFit. So like, how can you scale it back so it's accessible to everyone? I really love that podcast because it's just listening to two good friends as I'm driving the gym. I enjoy that a lot. I also listen to a lot of like just random comedy podcasts. They make me happy. But The tech-related podcasts are really important to me. That is like my time in the car. Like that's where I catch up on the latest news. I miss Ruby 5 so much. Can someone bring back Ruby 5? Does anybody remember what Ruby 5 was? Anyone? Hands up. Okay. Ruby 5 was this amazing podcast where it was just five minutes of Ruby news. It came out like twice a week. I love that. If someone could bring that back, I will sponsor you. So I'll just quote you right there. It's a great podcast. Jordan, do you have any habits or rituals you always do before hosting an interview or a podcast? Freak out. <laughs> have a wee. Okay. You're going to have a wee before. You can't break a bike. I went in for a wee. <laughs> you can't break a podcast. I'm terribly sorry. We're having an interesting conversation. I've got a for it. You can't do that. It's rude. No, you really can't. Is there anything that you say to a guest before you start recording, Joelle? I have a whole spiel. Love it. Um, Let's hear it. So first thing, we're on Zencaster. Just to let you know, we're showing video, but that's just so that you and I can see each other, get more of a human connection. It is not recorded. Don't worry. It's going to be audio only. This is recorded. We have an editor. So if at any point you feel uncomfortable or you want to re-say something that you've said, that's totally fine. If you want to say something that you've said a little bit differently or you need to collect your thoughts, I ask you a question and you don't have an answer, that's fine. You can pause wait a little bit and say something and our editor will cut it all up together and it will sound perfectly smooth and intelligent. So you're all good. I love that. I always tell guests as they're coming on, I explain to them that they need to have headphones in, that Paul will make them sound so good and that we will start with their developer origin story and they can absolutely lie to me and I'll have no idea. And that is a great way to start a podcast with an absolute lie. It gets people to be comfortable Because you're starting with an opinion and then you're going into like their own fact. And so that is definitely one of my rituals. Now, Jeremy asked a great question. How much pre-post chit-chat is there on your podcast? And also how much content from each recording session actually makes it into the final episode? So I'll aim that one to Julie. So we have a weekly scheduled meeting for one hour. Our podcast is 30 minutes. We'll probably talk for about five minutes with guests or without just to kind of plan out what are we going to talk about today. We usually pick the topic at that time and we usually end early. So there's not too many chatter, I guess. 
I mean, a good follow-up question, Julie, how do you know when it's over? Sometimes that's hard. How do you know when, you know, the content is there and you're ready to hit cut? Andrew has a timer so that about 30 minutes, he'll say like, okay, it's time to wrap up. But we also got feedback that on one of the episodes, they wished that it was longer because of the content. And so we're not strictly to 30 minutes, but I'll try to be more mindful of if there's a lot of good information we'll go over. I think the lesson there is the listeners are very greedy and they want more content. So let's produce more content, friends. Andy? Yeah, I mean, the really fun stuff's the stuff you don't hear. Why do you know friends? So like it's, you know, catching up on family stuff at the beginning or whatever it is. And then like, obviously, horrendous spicy hot takes that are not for broadcast. One of my co-hosts, Nick Schwader, and I have like a very specific format. So the first five minutes is just personal chat. How are you doing physically and mentally? Then we'll hit record. We'll record for 30 minutes and then we hang up and then we gossip for 15 to 20 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, it's all about the gossip. It would be a fascinating podcast, but no. The concern is always that we're still recording and that I won't have listened to the episode. We've learned that lesson today, right, folks? I won't have listened. And Paul will have thought it was great. And so he'll keep the gossip in and then my reputation is ruined. So I'm kidding. It's never that spicy, but it's a lot of fun. I love having that recording sandwich in the middle there. How about you, Joel? I think when there have been guests, a lot of the sort of pre and post is providing reassurance, making them feel comfortable. And so that's not the kind of things that make for interesting bloopers. I think now that we're in the era of co-hosts. Stephanie and I are getting more comfortable just being silly around each other. And so there will definitely start to be more interesting outtakes that we will probably release at some point in a blooper episode. Didn't the bike shed used to start with bloopers? They did. Yes. Okay. And so you think you might bring that back? I would love to bring that back. Okay. You heard it here, folks. Bloopers are coming back on the bike shed. That's exciting. (laughs) How about for you, Drew? It depends. The very first episode was with Andrew Mason. I think the episode is about 50 minutes long and the recording's about four hours long because ADHD. We both have it pretty bad and we play off each other's really well. It was a lot of fun. It was a great episode to record. It was just no one's going to listen to it. Well, actually, I don't know. If you want to listen to a four-hour episode, let me know. Dogs gonna um, get walked, right? I mean, yeah. that's the... <laughs> yeah. Chris Oliver, I never wanted him to stop talking. He had so much interesting stuff to talk about. So it's another really long episode. But on average, there's about 10 to 15 minutes of just getting to know each other if we don't know each other or catching up if we do. And then there's the bulk of the recordings about 45 minutes to an hour. And that comes down to about a half hour, 45 minutes. And then there's however long you can stay on because we can just talk all day. But yeah, there's usually about 15 minutes get cut from every episode just because it's a lot of me going off on a tangent and then trying to come back and I just cut that part out. Okay, well, speaking of a tangent, as we start to wrap things up, we're going to ask each of the panelists, why is it important that you are here at RubyConf Mini? Well, I mean, be a bit rude to sort of bail on Gemma and Emily at the last minute, wouldn't it? (laughs) No, I'm super glad to be here, even though I'm spending a load of spousal points another conference this year. Yeah, it needed to exist. Gemma brought it into being. I helped a little bit. So I'm glad it's happening. I'm giving a talk. Come see it on Thursday. I am also giving a talk on Thursday. It's one of the reasons, but I was happy that I got selected for many because I want to learn more about the challenges that the community that this particular conference is for. 
And I think this is a great place to learn, fill in gaps in my knowledge. So I'm happy to be here and learn. I'm also giving a talk on Thursday. <laughs> I am really tempted to title this podcast episode instead of the RubyConf mini talk. It's going to be, I'm giving a talk on Thursday. That might be the title of the episode. So, I'm, I'm not giving a talk on Thursday. <laughs> Neither you, am you, I. you can find me staring into the middle distance on the reception table. I love that for you. So, <laughs> all right. Well, I want to thank you all so much for being here today. Thank you so much for the audience participation. We appreciate you so much. It is so easy for us to just record and just release into the ether and have no idea if people are listening. So thank you all so much for supporting us as content creators. And so I'm going to wrap up by quoting Barbara Tannenbaum, who just gave an amazing keynote. We need your voices. We need people who care. Thank you all.